Welcome back, y'all, to episode 66 of the Zachary Wingate Podcast, where we go 365 days. Nothing is off the table. We touch on all topics. And today is no different than the other. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the podcast. Nothing is worse when someone tells you you need to do a podcast on something you've already done. Today, I got a message from David Goose, who has been on this show, sending me all of these random um, art generated from an AI software. And he replied with, you should do a podcast on AI-generated software. And I was like, Goose, not only... Have I done a podcast on AI-generated software? I literally sent you the artwork and told you what it was. And you replied back, oh. I was like, man, what does that even mean? But in itself, I thought it was hilarious. And what is the state of the world? It's kind of like that miscommunication. Two words made in America. I really think... There is, it's just like an interesting time that we live in. You know, I was doing some research on um, the tallest man in the world, Rob Whitlow, who was 8'11", so almost 9 feet. And to put that into context, I mean, if you look at Shaquille O'Neal, who is 7'6", right, or 7'3", I think he's 7'3", and Yao Ming is 7'6". When Rob Willow was 12 years old, he was already 7 foot tall. And this is a result of the pituitary gland um, having more pressure on it and resulting in giantism. Um, Andre the Giant had it. Um, I, I think Tony Robinson has some too. So it makes him so big. And it's treatable through um, chemicals now, but... Rob Whitlow, it's just interesting Like when you look at his story because he was born in 1918 in a small town in rural Indiana. And I think for me what makes the story interesting is obviously, you know, being 8'11 is a feat. You're the tallest man of all recorded history that we have. Um, he lived to be 22. He lived from 1918 to 1940. And what's really interesting about his story is like understanding like that time period and how if you had him alive now, I mean, that kid would be like all over the Internet doing TikTok dances and trying to dunk a basketball and anything to generate some type of content. And you look at the story and you it's really like crazy because he'd be walking in and out of Chicago. He's part of like. Um, the Boy Scouts, obviously, you know, he would have died in 1940, so the 30s would have been the Dust Bowl, the Great Depression. He's kind of coming out of this time period, and I guess there was apparently as what happened is his dad was always trying to solicit him or make money if people took pictures of him. He always expected to get paid. You know, there was kind of like this commodity value with him, and really interesting how he died because I guess you know he was a represent representative for 
a shoe company and he took it as a full-time job and he would fly around the country talking about shoes and doing things of that nature. But I guess a blister got on his foot and it rubbed the wrong way and it killed him. You know, eventually it would have killed him at the age of 22 and went in a small town. I mean, they bit big statue about him, but it's like really interesting because he also was a part of the Ringling Brothers, always wore a three-piece suit, um, probably lived a really interesting life from like 15 to 22 in all reality, um, but whenever you're nine feet, I mean, that that's insane, I mean, how, that is so tall, because that means that he would be three feet taller than Yao Ming or Shaquille O'Neal. So, you're getting into that, which when I read that story, it really puts into context what was going on during that time. And there's a really interesting time in American history. And you think about the conflicts of what's going on today, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. So, I got my master's degree in international security, you know, policy, studying the impacts of foreign effects, you know, and you look at right now what's going on in relation with Saudi Arabia, OPEC meeting, which I don't know if you know this, but OPEC is 12 countries that meet that have oil in their countries from Saudi Arabia to, you know, Colombia, um, Ecuador even is a part of it and kind of shorting out the barrels and what that's doing is creating this situation where it drives the economy up and potentially Russia makes more money with the the oil with the um, the, the dollar and then now you have the United States not willing to sell jets to Saudi Arabia you know a lot of military arms sales happen with Saudi Arabia we sell the shield air defense systems to them and that helps with anything going on with Iran because Iran is notorious time backed and has partnerships with North Korea and Russia so it's like just really weird timing because it's like when you look at what happened in World War One, you know, the shot um, felt around the world whenever the president of Serbia, I think, was killed and how everybody kind of had policies and treaties set in place for a situation like this. And as a result of it, it drawed everybody into a war. It wasn't like that's what makes World War One so interesting is the fact that so many legal policies and treaties were happening, and then you kind of look at the impact of World War One, which was the res- really was the rise of um, like fascist socialism, the rise of dictatorship happening with Mussolini, Hitler, and no one can ever remember who the emperor of Japan was at the time, which is kind of funny that we remember all the Europeans, but we don't remember the Japanese, and obviously as a result of it, the bombing brought us in. So. It's really interesting where we are now because we're kind of going through this whole process, I think, with Ukraine. But it's like you're looking at, like, the narratives being spun. You're looking at the technology. You're looking at people getting involved like Elon Musk and, you know, the the people sending money. And it's just such a strange endeavor because, like, we really do kind of live in this billionaire area where you know there's 3,000 billionaires 935 of them are in the United States and you think about how much impact and influence they can potentially have and 
you look at that and what that means in the outcome. Like probably never in history have individuals had so much impact and influence through different means. I mean, I don't know what happened with PayPal with this whole, if you are going to say anything that they deem negative or not PC, they could take out $2,000 and you have Elon Musk, who is the founder of PayPal and his brother, being like, if that's the case, you should just cancel your account. I mean, and PayPal retracted the statement and said it was an accident as a result of it, but that kind of impact and influence, it's like, I can't really, I mean, could you imagine being able to mold and shape the world we live in today based on what you're able to do? I mean, I think that in itself would be a pretty remarkable sensation. But I think about all of that correlating in kind of different time periods, like even going back to Rob Whitlow, like dealing with, you know, 1918 and 1930, the impact of World War I, transitioning into the Dust Bowl and the Great Depression and how there were government programs created for it, like the CCC, which is a civilian conservation corps that built the majority of the national parks whenever the economy was having issues, what Franklin Roosevelt did was create those, kind of that organization to help people spring out of the Great Depression. And here now, like, we're kind of in this environment where we can do that, but also there's so much wealth generated that people can do that as well. I mean, you had the Rockefellers and you had, you know, those those types of family. You also had the, um, uh, it's not the Car- the Carnegie's, creating the well endowment for the Carnegie Libraries, you know, obviously philanthropists of the time, but the wealth and the information and the knowledge now can just go so quickly. The influence can happen so fast. I mean, you look at any moment with Elon Musk, he's the hero or the enemy based upon what is being presented on social media. I mean, we are, we are seeing narratives change quicker now than we ever have. And that in itself is adding to, I mean, how much information can you potentially absorb daily about somebody based on what they're doing? It's like, it's pretty remarkable. And then you have people just living their day-to-day lives, paying bills, trying to make it, build businesses, and not be so focused on it all. I mean, it's like, now we kind of just get to this point where we are tied in with our cell phones. But like, Doing some research on Rob Whitlow, it's really interesting to see, you know, his obituary within the newspaper and how I'm sure seeing that in the newspaper, it made news, but that's like a novelty story. I mean, that's something that you would see on any social media apparatus, you know, the parallels of how that story transpired then. And if it happened today, you know, the difference in it. And I really do think you know, within a hundred years, the the transition of technology and information is really something where we're still, you know, processing and getting our head around it. You know, if you really look at what has, how has technology impacted us? Like, if you were to say, what is the one positive thing about having technology and that you absorb the information, but as a result of having it, you're playing video games all the time? Um streaming and putting things on social media. I mean, I think what it really does is it allows a level of comfortability 
but at the same time taking you out of what it means to be in a community and be human and be a part of a group of people and work together. You know, I think even me, it's like 98% of my work is done on the internet. So, you know, the internet does create this flexibility, but as a result of it, you have to be even more mindful of kind of what you're doing. And I think going into the story of Rob Whitlow and, and understanding where he was as a young man and even giving him, like, you know, being eight foot 11 and dealing with that time, I can't imagine, especially in Illinois. You know, I think there's so many different stories like this because people try to kind of say that there was giants at some point in time, but I don't know how. It's like the gravity impacts things. It's like if you look at the biggest land animal, I mean, it would be a giraffe, and you kind of look at the physical makeup because you got to understand that there, even if there was giants, they're still dealing with the impact of gravity. And there was a show done one time on Netflix that showed if gravity was different on different planets and there was life, it would totally impact it in a whole new way. And I think, you know, if you look at Rob Whitlow and the impact of gravity on him, I mean, that's that's a lot being nine foot and dealing with a constant push. I mean, I don't even know how that boy got in a car. But anyways, just a random rambling over here, kind of going through my thought process of the day and kind of getting in the car is still running, able to get the gas hose in there running today, which is remarkable. Um, You know, it's amazing what you can do as long as you have some dedication to it and you're not you don't give up at the first challenge, you know, and you work through those different processes. I think that in itself is a skill and a talent, but that's where I'm out today, still here in Arkansas, enjoying it, seeing my family, my brother's birthday, you know, living, living life like that. So hope you guys enjoy it and we'll talk to you tomorrow.